0: Everybody, and welcome to the Junction Church podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. This morning, I want to speak um, on our new series, our Build It series, uh, and this morning. Um, What we're going to be doing is we're going to be starting a series of four Sundays, Sunday mornings, where we're going to be speaking about how we're building the church over uh, this next new season in which God is doing. Um, And this season that he is building into the life of the church, this new season that's coming up, is is a season of change. We've got Inverness coming online as part of the Junction Church. Um, they're, they're becoming part of the, the structure, Pastors Owen and Kate. Um, they are becoming part of our, our congregational pastors for the Inverness Church, but part of the whole, um, part of the, the leadership uh, of the church here as well. Those of you who've been going to fuel, um, you'll notice the the notes. We're now studying the book of Romans, uh, but instead of having a book that you buy, we're writing the series, and Pastor Owen is the one who's writing the notes for you. That's why they're good. Yeah, no one in our house can do that good. <laughs> We have to go to Inverness to get someone to write it, and uh, but that's that's Pastor Owen. I mean, he, he's a real he's a real teacher, uh, and got a great gift on his life. So he's preparing those notes, and, and you're doing fuel here uh, in Aberdeen. We're doing fuel in Afford. and they're also doing fuel in Inverness as well. So um, it's really exciting to think that whole structure that we put to place, uh, put into place. It's working right across now, uh, and um, the they they're preaching. He's preaching. Uh, the same message, um, working from the same scriptures. I don't know what he's saying, of course, because I don't write the message for him. We just agree on what it is we want to communicate. And so we're we're preaching the same message uh, and we're really working together uh, to build a church... Uh, that is going to make an impact in the nation of Scotland and to see people saved and to see people set free. Amen? That's what the church is all about. With the church, you know, we can busy ourselves with all kinds of spiritual activities. But the most critical and the most important thing that we can do is to introduce Jesus Christ to the people. Jesus has never been the problem. The problem has always been our ability to communicate Him. And you know, Jesus has always been there to set people free. We've got to have a church that is there to bring Jesus Christ into the hearts and lives of people. And so this morning, we're going to do our, um, start our Build It series. And this morning, I want to call it Build It Clearer. You know, um, in this time of year, um, I, I change my radio listening. Some of you know I listen to the radio. I do mention that a few times, don't I? So I have my, my Radio 4 diet, uh, which I need to to get my brain going and, and to get cross, because you hear a lot of rubbish on there. And uh, so, um, so I, I have my Radio 4 diet, but my music diet in the summer is Radio 1. Okay? I do, Paul has caught me listening to Radio 2, but um, uh, yeah, I, I don't like to admit that. But Radio One is my is my my music diet for the for the for the summer, and uh, I put it on the radio. Uh, I put it on the radio. I put it on the radio when I'm in the car, and I got the Radio One on, and and um, I'm pretending I'm 18 again, and it's summer, and you're drinking Coca-Cola, and. Uh, uh, but when it comes to autumn, when the when the leaves start to redden, and the the the, the, the wind starts to 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 cool the, the air and and the rain starts lashing in. I feel the need to become a little bit more soulish and I'm gonna put it onto classic FM and uh and, and Radio three. Even Radio three, it's not so stuffy now. You can now listen to it and not feel like you're some kind of pleb. And uh, you um, you can it used to be very exclusive and but but now in fact who has ever listened to radio three and you, you'd listen to it, and then there would be this pause, and you'd think, "Has the guy died? What happened? Where did he go and then he starts speaking again, and it's like but but now it's kind of it's more like classic FM. it's got they've got some and the music you can listen to the music and not you know and it's enjoyable, So I like listening to classic music in the winter months, in the build-up to Christmas. Once Christmas is done, um, I go back to, I can't listen to classic, you know, it's just, I know, it's my thing. And uh, so, but when I'm listening to classical music, there's one particular uh, musician that has struck a chord. Did you notice that? <laughs> struck a chord. Uh, somebody who has made an impact... Uh, that, um, I'm looking for the photo now. I'm looking. I'm getting a bit twitchy. Her name is Nicola Benedetti. Is that? Oh, there, there she is. She's hiding behind the violin, and uh, she's shy. Bless. And uh, so Nicola Nicola Benedetti is a um, is a young uh, musician. Uh, let me just read to you her life story because this is this is important. I promise there is a spiritual point to this. So uh, Nicola. Uh, Benedetti is half Scottish, half Italian and uh, a bit like the uh, Paolo, uh, what's the, what's the uh, yeah, 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 same, same thing, I'm sure and uh, alright, so she's half Scottish, half Italian was born in West Kilbride, it gets better on the, on the 19th of July 1987 today she's one of the world's finest and most in demand musicians she, Nicola began playing the violin at the age of four and by the age of eight was leading the National Children's Orchestra of Great Britain. By the time she was ten... By the way, can we get that music playing? I just, wanna, just want that playing in the background. I want people to film this. Yeah, that's not violin, by the way. Oh, this is good, isn't it? Who's feeling emotional? <laughs> by the time she was ten, Nicola was, play- was off studying the world-famous... Yehudi Menuhin a school in Surrey, right? Okay, and it's so famous we all know the name. At the end of her first year in 1998, age 11, she played solo at the school's annual concert and performed in London and Paris as a soloist at Bach's double violin concerto. In 1999. Nicola performed for the anniversary celebrations at Holyrood Palace and the National Youth Orchestra of Scotland in the presence of Prince Edward. She performed Mandelson's violin concerto for the Royal Scottish National Orchestra at 13 and won Carton's TV uh, Britain's Breast No, no, she never won that. Britain's brilliant prodigies competition a year later. I said this morning was going down, didn't I? <laughs> There's a moment right there. <laughs> That's one. My brother's in the house, by the way, and uh, he's gonna he's gonna make me pay for that later. Just genius. In 2004, Nicola won the BBC Young Musician of the Year. A few weeks after. Her winning performance, she was signed by an artist's agent, IMG. At the end of 2004, aged 17, she signed a £1 million, six-album recording contract. In 2010, she became involved in El Sistema, Scotland's Big Noise project, a music educational initiative for disadvantaged children. She was awarded an MBE in 2013 New Year's Honours for services to music and charity. 1987, she was born. It's uh, some people make you sick, don't they? And uh, do you know what is it about this? This is actually I'm playing. This is called um, Spiegel in Spiegel, I think. It's German. I'm doing my best, right? This is one of my favourite tracks. That I've got this. It plays for 10 minutes, and I just play this. And I play this when I'm uh, I download it. I have this in the car when I'm driving home, and I don't want to kill people while I'm driving. It calms my driving. It stops me from from generally driving dangerously and it's just such what i love about her music is its clarity what makes a musician even if you're not into classical music what is it that draws your heart in it's the clarity of sound that draws you to a place you didn't think you was going to go it trans it transports you into another place and that's what That's what defines a great musician. Now, that definition is in the clarity of their playing. And you know, the church has a voice, and that voice has to be clear. It has to have a clarity that enables people to be transported from a place where they are living into a place they did not know that they could go. A place they didn't know was available to them. A lot of people here, you may be listening here, and think, oh, I've never listened to classical music. But I'm telling you, when you're listening to that, it's doing something to your heart right now. That's the amazing thing about music. God created music to move the heart. And, and, And all music has great power to move the heart. And God created music. The heavens are filled with music. Angels were created with a musical, they are musical instruments. The the heavens describe the angelic form as having musical instruments. And so so God created music to move um, people's hearts and people's lives. He created heavens to be filled because God lives by music himself. If that's a a correct definition of God, can you say God lives? God is alive. He's constantly alive. And so, that He is life. And so, here we are declaring that the church is a voice of clarity. If we can just take that music down, because it's going to knock everyone to sleep in a minute. It says in Habakkuk 2, verse 2, it says this. It says in verse 2, Then the Lord answered and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. You see, we see in society and we see in life that we must be understood. That life must be understood. And yet this is the reality. Society lives in a world... I can still hear it, can't I? Society lives in a world where they're communicating with a language. They're communicating... With with, with media. They have a language and they have society. And here we are in church and we have our own language and we have our own way of communicating. The most critical thing that we have to learn is how to make the message of Jesus Christ clear that they may run who hear it. That people may hear the message and run. That people may see it. And understand it. A clarity comes into people's hearts and into people's minds. There is nothing worse than someone being confused by the message. And this is the amazing thing. What I enjoy <coughs> about um, classical music and uh, what I've enjoyed listening to Nicola Benedetti's album is that she plays things like um, Vivaldi's Four Seasons. How many of you have heard Vivaldi's Four Seasons? How many people have not heard Vivaldi's Four Seasons? Who wants to admit that? Okay, one person, the rest of you. (laughs) Right, But it's one of the most famous classic tracks and you would think to yourself, right, I've heard that, I've heard it a thousand times. When she gets on and plays that track and just plays the four seasons and she's hammering that thing out, suddenly I'm listening to it and I'm being transported and I'm thinking to myself, I've heard this before but I've not heard it like this. You see, there is nothing new about the gospel. It's an old message. We don't have anything new to tell anyone. We haven't got anything special, extra to say, other than that which is special in Christ. We don't have a new revelation. We don't have a new like mystery that unfolded and this is a church but no one's told you this before this is a truth that hasn't been told before no the gospel is the gospel it's been communicated for two thousand years it's an incredibly old story but this is the amazing truth When you give it a voice of clarity, you can transport people who think they've heard it before, think they know what it is, and suddenly they're being transported into a place they've never been before because they never heard it like this before. Because the gospel is a gospel which speaks in every generation. And the church is building a voice that is able to communicate and to speak it into people's hearts and into people's lives. This is the reality. Most of us feel that we don't know how to speak. Or how to share. It says in Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 4. This is God speaking to Jeremiah. says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then said I, our Lord God, behold, I cannot speak for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am a youth. For you should go to all to whom I send you. Whatever I command you, you shall speak. You see, when God speaks to us, He knew who we were before we were born. He ordained us before we were born. The Bible says that we are all kings and priests. And you know what that means. It means, as a king, that we have rulership and authority over all of our lives. And as a priest we have access into the very throne room that we can, we don't need a man to lead us to God, that we just open up our heart and say, Jesus, and He's there before us. And we can minister before God and say, God, I worship You. I thank You for who You are. We are kings and priests. We're all kings and priests. You've been ordained with a message and He's put it into your heart. But this is what we say. God, I can't do that. I'm too young. God, I can't do that. I'm too old. God, I can't do that. I'm not well trained. God, I can't do that. I'm too shy. God, I can't do that. I don't have a memory anymore. I can't remember the verses. God, I can't do that. I'm just too stressed. God, I can't do that. I'm just too busy. God, I can't do that. My marriage is in trouble. God, I can't do that. I've been struggling with these sins. God, I can't do that. When we start declaring that we can't speak, but God says, I've put a voice inside of your heart. I've given you a message. And this is the itch that every person who meets Jesus Christ, and this is the itch you can't scratch. The itch is this. You want to share the love of Jesus Christ in your heart to someone else, but you get this little thing, I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to speak it. And we've been with people who created some very awkward conversations. Some people live without boundaries. They just walk in and they start speaking to people. And, and uh, I've been. I remember I had a dear friend. His name is is uh, Peter Dan, and um, uh, Peter is uh, and my brother's Sniggering now, so 'cause he. Uh, and uh, Peter is is um, Peter is a character that um, uh, he just. I remember when we were. He was he's two or three years older than me, and and we would hang out together and. And um, Peter got a, a, a girlfriend, and then he, they were very happy. And they were going out, and then he, he told me that he's not going out with her anymore because because he, he felt had feelings for her, and he wasn't sure he should do that because he loved Jesus. <laughs> and I'm going, mate, <laughs> you. <were laughs> This is how God created you, you know. Yeah, a man has feelings, marry her, you know. <laughs> if a man burns in his heart, marry her. That's what the Bible says, you know. You were created to have feelings, you know. <laughs> so anyway, Peter, Peter wanted to share the love of Jesus once. He, he, um, he, he, he turned up at a car crash. Um, just, as, just after the car crashed and these people have standing up there and he turned up this car crash, and here's a fella he's looking, he's smashed up his new car and Peter walks up to share the love of Jesus and he says to him, "The Lord give it and the Lord take it away." <laughs> what an evangelist right there. Another time we were playing we were playing squash. And uh, we were playing squash and we go into the, we go into the, the male changing rooms and um, they, they had open showers. You know, it's like the open showers where the men walk around in the... Uh, and uh, so uh, the men are all walking around sort of... And so, so there's, this, there's this great big fellow. He's standing there. He's just showering. And, and Pete walks in stark naked and he goes, you may have noticed there's something different about me. <laughs> Me and my mate, we just turn around and we walk straight out. I'm not even with this bloke. What is he on? You may have noticed there's something different. I'm thinking, of he's going to get a punch right in the face, right there. We, we've all been in those awkward situations. This is not the message of the church the church has a message which is clear and which is understood by those who do not understand what's motivated me to bring this script, this message is this scripture here in acts and this has been this has been in my heart for almost 2 years now acts 15 verse 16 says this after this i will return and i will rebuild the tabernacle of david which has fallen down. I will re- rebuild its ruins. I'm read by the way, if that scripture is up on there, that's the, yes, New King James. Well done. Um, I don't even know how they got that because normally we're doing the other translations. So it says, I will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does all these things. Now this is interesting. David built a tabernacle... <laughs> In the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, you had the tabernacle with the priest. It had the ho- it had um, the uh, the holy place, and it had the holy of holies. Uh, it had the outer court, uh, and it had all the all the furniture that went in the tabernacle. It had the priest, um, and you had the you had to come in. You had to do the sacrifice in the outer court, and then you went from the sacrifice. You had to go to the um, uh, I can't remember the, the the laver, I think it is, where you would wash and, and then you go into the holy place and you have the candle and you have the table of showbread uh, and then and you would have the process of, of, of the candle and the showbread and then eventually you would go into the once a year into the Holy of Holies That's what went, and there you had the Ark of the Covenant the Ark of the Covenant represents God's purity, His holiness and His mercy and His grace, the fullness of God's word in the Ark of the Covenant was manna but from, the, from, the, uh, from the wilderness, it was also uh, the, uh, the uh, Ten Commandments were in there and so here we have this representation of the love, the grace and the purity of God in the Holy of Holies. But what happened is that the, uh, the Philistines come along they come along and they nick the Holy of Holies they, they nick the, the um, they nick the Ark of the Covenant they run off with it. And, uh, and so David gets really ticked by this and so David runs off and he comes and he takes back the Ark of the Covenant. This is the most pure, this is the place where God's presence rests, right? It's a holy thing but he doesn't take it back to the tabernacle he sets up his own tabernacle And in David's tabernacle, for 40 years, David had a tabernacle. And he had the Holy of Holies, where the presence of God was, anyone could enter. They had no sacrifice, but you entered by worship. How many of you know that's church? And so for 40 years, David had a tabernacle. And the Bible says... In this great discussion, Acts 15 is a discussion about church and and what church should be like and who it should be for. And you had the religious saying we should do all the Jewish traditions and you had the Gentiles who are saved going, I don't even know what those traditions are. I've done none of those, but Jesus has come into my heart and I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Make something of that. And suddenly they get up and they start to prophesy and they speak out and they say, God says, I will rebuild the tabernacle of David, David's tabernacle. a a place where anybody can come, a place where Gentiles well what are Gentiles? Well they're just people doing their own thing, they've got no knowledge of God, no knowledge of our values or traditions they don't place any value on, on our scriptures, they place no value on our traditions or any of those things, they're doing anything it could be from the wild to the ridiculous and God says by the way those crazy people, I want them to come in, this is the fact, you are those crazy people and Jesus made a way possible for all of us to come into His presence. We didn't have to go through the law. We didn't have to go through the sacrifice. We didn't have to go into that dark place called the holy place with the candle and the showbread. No, we didn't even have to go through the veil. The veil had been torn. And there we are standing before the presence of God in the holy place. The church is the place where by the power of worship and His Word, we bring people into the presence of Christ. And the most important thing for the church to do is to build it with such clarity that the people in the world understand what you're talking about. That it's clear. The voice, the message is clear. Now, it says in John 17 verse 11, it says this. It says, Now I am... No longer in the world, but these are in the world. I have come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. Let me read that to you again. I am no longer in the world. This is Jesus speaking to the Father. But these are in the world. I have come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those you have whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. See, Jesus is praying to the Father that his disciples might be one. What is he saying? He's saying, I don't want them saying or doing their own thing. I want them to have one voice. I want them to have one message. I want them to be one. I want them to be clear. Why do I want them to be clear? Because they're in the world. I want you to know something. You're in the world. Now, this is what I've noticed with with church life, is that the Christian struggles with the the parallel worlds. You meet Jesus, you come into church, you get born again, you live your life, and as you get involved in church, as time goes by, church becomes more and more your world rather than your world experience. But you you still you're still around the world, but you have a church world and a and you feel like you're two people because there's two worlds going on. But Jesus was one person in the world and with the disciples. The disciples, he says, I want them to be one. One one means that we have one message here and in the world. We're consistent and we're authentic. That we not have a religious language and we have a world language. There is only one language the world understands and that's their language yes. now when Jesus came to speak he came to preach a gospel which was understood by the people of the, of the, the, the masses he didn't speak the language of the Pharisees or the man- language of the, of the scribes or the um, the teachers of the law he came and he spoke to people who were in front of him and he made it clear and they came running so clear in fact that even the Roman centurions could hear it and they came running. Even those who weren't called to come they came. Even those Jesus says but I didn't even come for you they came as well. It was so clear. It was so understood. Understand this the the message of the church should be clear that those who hear it want to keep coming in. They're coming in because they hear hope not condemnation. They hear grace, not law. They hear that there is a way to meet with the Father. You see, this is the thing. In every person's heart, around the world, man is looking for God. Man is looking for God. We're all looking for God. If you look at why is it that people pray? People are praying to all kinds of people, all kinds of things. People are looking for religion. and and, and many people I found I was raised in church and and church has said many things about other religions I want to tell you this the harder man is to find God the harder man is to find God I met a man who was an evangelist who had preached the gospel through the um, communist days right through Russia and he was there he's a Swedish evangelist and he was right there at the fall of, of communism and he was given by the KGB right at the end of the, the um, USSR's great campaign. The KGB gave him their campaign train. They had a train to sort of propaganda and keep control of the people. And he went from um, St. Petersburg to um, Vladivostok. I've got that right, didn't I? And uh, he, took it, he took this train, and every station he stopped at he preached the gospel, and a church was planted wow. right through right through Russia. Eventually, he ended up in the farther reaches of Russia, where the people um, are more closely more closely related to the Chinese than they are the Russians. And they would be um, uh, they would be sort of traditional Muslim country uh, places. And he gets in, and he starts. These places places are cut off from everyone, and he's preaching the gospel, and There is a map. And the whole town gets saved. A whole town comes to Christ um, over a few days. And one of the leaders of the town is crying in this meeting. He's going, thank you, Allah. Thank you, Allah. You have come and you have saved me. Right? Now, in his heart, his good Christian-like thinking, he's going, Allah, Allah. (laughs) It's God. It's not Allah. It's God. not Allah. And God spoke into his heart. And he said, that man... Has been crying out to me for thirty years that you might come and preach the gospel. See, here is a man. He, he didn't know what to call God. He didn't know what to call Him. His heart was crying out for Him. You understand that people are crying out for God. They're crying out for Him. I have got a friend in Dunkirk who was ra- who was raised uh, in extreme uh, Islam in in uh, Tunisia, uh, and he had to escape for his life when he got saved. His heart was crying out for God. His family were crying out for God and Jesus met him in a dream and he he discovered who Jesus Christ was right in the midst of nobody else around him. He discovered Jesus and he gave his life to Christ and now is an incredible evangelist um, and and just preaching the gospel and, and and just a man full of faith. He's only 20 early 20s but what an incredible story of, of his ability to just love god you see see people are crying out for god it's up to us to make the message clear that they might find him we want a clear gospel not a selfish gospel not one with our own little secret language our own little ways we have a, a gospel with one voice it says um in, uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12, it says, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews and some are Gentiles, some are slaves and some are free, but we all have been baptised into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. You see, when we're the same, we share the same. The church is made up of different people... With different functions and giftings, but the body does one thing. See, my body is made up. I have hands and feet. You may have noticed. I've um, also inside. I've got all the gooey bits in there that you wouldn't want to see, and uh, the stomach, the heart, the intestines, and uh, it's all it's all happening in there. As you, you you can see the magnificence on the outside, but it's pretty vile on the inside just the way it is, right? (laughs) But all these different functions, a lot of people just think, oh, I'm this or I'm that. I've got this ministry and I've got that that ministry. You know, I I want you to know the church is not here to build ministry. It really isn't. The idea of ministry is a 20th century invention to cope with a church that wasn't preaching the gospel. That's it. That's why you had ministries rising up to preach the gospel because the church wasn't doing it. The church is a body. What is critical is that all of the functions of the body do go together because when I go to, um, into my workshop or when I go down the garden, I mow the lawn, I don't leave the heart, stomach and intestines behind and think, well, I don't need them for that job. <laughs> it all comes with me. We are one. I am one. We are one. Today, I'm going to take my legs. (laughs) Today, it's like, you know, I don't sit when I'm preparing my message and leave my legs behind because I don't need them. (laughs) They come with me. I'm one body. I don't detach. Nothing is detachable. It doesn't have a function on its own, it doesn't exist. Outside, It only exists together to achieve one thing. The church is here to achieve one thing. And to achieve one thing, we have one clear voice. A voice which preaches a gospel of clarity, a gospel which makes it simple, a gospel which understands the popular culture of today and speaks through that culture. I've got a friend who has the ability of um, watching a movie and preaching the gospel through it. And he says this. Um, there's a whole, there's a whole um, load of pastors who, who, who just have this whole teaching on how to preach the gospel through, through popular culture and um, through the movies, through Hollywood. And, and he says it doesn't matter what movie you watch, I mean, there are a lot of movies I wouldn't want to watch. <laughs> I mean, but what you watch, you'll find the gospels in it. And uh, he gets up and he gets Superman. I mean, Superman is obvious, right? Uh, but you've got all these different movies, and he'll just and he'll pre, he'll, he'll do a whole series on Sunday nights uh, of the um, of the gospel through the movies. And they just they show and they showed that the world is crying out. And this this is what speaks to me. You see, you see, Hollywood. Hollywood doesn't know it's preaching the gospel, but its cry of popular culture is they're looking for an answer for their condition. They are looking, the world is looking for an answer. I want you to know that the answer that the world is looking for has been sown into your heart it is a message of hope it is a message of salvation it's a message of acceptance it's a message that leads people to a place of brokenness into a place of health and wholeness it is not a message which confuses it's not a message which rejects it's not a message which speaks a language they do not understand when we speak a language, we speak the language of today. One of the reasons I listen to Radio One, I you know I often listen to it and think I'm not enjoying this any more than I'm listening to Radio Two. But the problem with Radio Two is it's stuck in 1989. It's stuck in, in fact, sometimes it's stuck in 1964, and it. We don't speak that language anymore. If you I want to speak a language of today, I want to know what the generation today is speaking because if I can speak that generation's language, I can communicate to anybody. I can speak with a clear and single voice. I can understand the message and I can bring the message of Jesus Christ, which is an old, old ancient message with nothing new and I can tell it in such a radical way that another generation will go well I've never heard it put like that before I want to be a part of that story I want to be a part of that message and this church is going to preach the gospel we're putting um, we've put out an uh, email to everyone. Hopefully you've got that email. Check your, um, check your uh, spam box if it, in case it's gone into your spam box. Um, but we put a message out, 100 friends... Born again. I want you to understand, we want your friends born again. We got an email from Cheryl, got an email from the week yesterday, two emails just thanking us for the email, and one of them said, I want to see a hundred of my friends born again. And I thought, wow, this is getting even better. This isn't just a hundred friends of everybody, this is a hundred friends of one person who's saying, I want to see a hundred friends born again. I, t- I want to tell you something. Our Sunday nights, we just want to preach the simple message of Jesus Christ. I've got over 300 verses I could preach for six years solid on Jesus Christ. I've got so much that God has got for us to live, bring the life of Jesus Christ. There is nothing in this world that can stop the power of Jesus Christ to save a generation. People look at this world and they wonder what's going on. Jesus Christ has an answer and we have a language and we're making it clear. You can come to Jesus and He will set you free. Amen? Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.junctionchurch.com. God bless.